Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Good evening and welcome to the show on what will undoubtedly, in my mind, go down as a historic night in sports and uh, you know for reasons that have nothing to do with the games actually being played we have NBA on tap with uh, the Western Conference Final which also dubs uh, doubles as the NBA Finals barring uh, some massive injuries in the Western Conference Finals between Golden State and Houston you have uh, Game two of the Western Conference Finals for the NHL. But realistically, the reason why I'm saying it's a historic night uh, for sports is what happened with the Supreme Court today. uh, In that the Supreme Court struck down the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act of 1992. Uh, The court case in question uh, actually had to do with New Jersey. because uh, this is going back to 2012, where the state of New Jersey uh, actually went about introducing uh, legislation uh, to pass legalized sports betting. Now, at the time, the NCAA and all four of the major sports leagues uh, uh, struck down the ruling stating that it was... uh, uh, state, stating that the uh, 2012 law for New Jersey violated uh, the uh, the Protection Act. Now, back then, the lower federal courts agreed with uh, the NCAA and the, all the major sw- uh, sports leagues. You know, it was a dubious ruling, but, uh, you know, uh, the lower courts held it. And the reaction was that no one really expected the Supreme Court to kind of uh, take this uh, take this one up uh, because uh, in 2014 uh, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, law was uh, essentially reintroduced again uh, uh, through a new law that New Jersey used to roll back the existing bans uh, as long as they apply to uh, casinos and racetracks so uh, what the NCAA and the uh, sports leagues did was they went back to the appeals court and uh, got New Jersey law struck down yet again. So, uh, you know, this is uh, two times that they struck down New Jersey. So, no one, uh, again, the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, they were all in on this. They never expected this to really be uh uh, looked at by the Supreme Court. So when the Supreme Court actually heard the case, uh, it, it did surprise some legal experts. And, you know, on the grounds of it, no, you know, the, the thought of it was still that uh, the overall ruling by the court would uphold the, uh, the pre-existing law for uh, the Protection Act and uh, uphold the lower court rulings. The actual ruling today and it was a vote of 63 so it really wasn't uh that much of uh of a of a disagreement uh, the dissenting voters were ruth bader ginsburg uh, uh stephen brayer and uh, 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 uh justice sotomayor were the dissenting opinions uh Bader wrote uh, the overall dissenting opinion but, you know, a 6-3 margin is a pretty healthy margin these days for the Supreme Court. Now, the only argument uh, here was uh, that came up between the justices was Clarence Thomas wondering if the entire Protection Act needed to be blown up, which eventually is what they uh, looked at. If, if the 
severability of the law, and I'll, I'll get into a little bit of that, even though I'm not much of a lawyer, but uh, the uh, the function of the uh, the core uh, core argument of the case was did the Congress actually uh, overstep its bounds by restricting states from being able to determine how and when they would implement gambling uh, across the line. So, uh, you know, realistically, there was only gambling allowed in uh, a couple of states. Uh, Vegas, realistically, being the only one, there. Were, there are ways of actually doing it in states like Oklahoma and Delaware, but it was very niche areas and, you know, usually had to do with Indian reservations uh, for uh, actual gambling. But it's, it's still, for sports betting, you're pretty much limited to Las Vegas as a whole. And, you know, the, the stats don't really lie. According to the American Gaming Association, uh, there are, are estimates that at least $150 billion a year is gambled on sports in the U.S., and 90% of that amount was bet illegally. And this is through, you know, the local bookie, or what realistically was going on is uh, the various offshore uh, sports books uh, being operated online in places like Costa Rica, Panama. So, you know, some of the names... Uh, that uh, folks uh, were probably accessing would probably have been along the lines of uh, maybe like uh, uh, different books, so, so such as like uh, Five Dimes or like My Wager. Like there, there like uh, bookmaker. There were like different websites if you realistically wanted to go about uh, doing these uh, wagering. That uh, you know, again, while illegal, were still operating offshore that uh, folks were having access to. So it's not as though it was just this Illuminati-like society of uh, getting access to the internet to do illegal sports wagering. It was going on, and, you know, it's not exactly uh, the world's uh, best-kept secret. So, uh, again, the fact that they uh, the sports leagues were arguing for keeping PAPSA uh, in place, you know, really had to do not so much as the integrity of the game, so much as they were trying to figure out the best way of keeping their cut alive and to see, you know, how much uh, support that they would be getting from Vegas in order to do this. So in terms of winners and losers of all this, uh, you know, realistically, the winners of this just happens to be the consumer because you get more access and different ways of interacting with sports than ever before. The other winners are the actual sports leagues because now they get to use their uh, lobbyists uh, to full effect and figuring out ways of of capturing that market share that while, yes, they were opposed to this, realistically what they wanted along was for ways of being able to charge states for allowing sports betting. So uh, one of the ways that they were uh, kind of uh, uh, getting into this was uh, by having an integrity fee assessed to any wagers uh, being placed on business. So that integrity fee uh, was essentially uh, a way of the sports leagues checking on who was gambling on games at a particular given moment. Now, what's suspect on the integrity fee uh, aspect of this is that nothing will change with these sports leagues. They are still going to be contracting to the exact same services that they've always been doing. The flux of money uh, is just expanding to different states, but the actual lines themselves are going to be generated by the bookmakers. So none of this is actually changing their operations. So that's why the integrity fee is just nonsense, uh, uh, what the sports leagues are arguing. Uh, So that's the the, uh, front portion of it. The back-end portion of it is the fact that not only are these sports leagues asking for integrity fee, they're also asking for a ridiculous amount. So they're asking for 1% of all the wager amount 
regardless if the wager wins or loses. That is an obscene amount of just greed overall. I, I mean, if you look at sports betting as a whole, uh, mo- more often than not, uh, you know, uh, you may see. Uh, so uh, this is uh, the the vig would be uh, just the penalty for putting in a bet. So instead of like an even a hundred dollars, you win a hundred dollars. Uh, the 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 bet would be okay. You have to bet one hundred ten to win a hundred dollars. Uh, that that would be technically uh, the equivalent of an even bet uh, with uh, the vegan plays. Now, that is the takeaway from the house or the bookmaker uh, to make their profits off of uh, the individual betters. So, uh, obviously, this is because they, they operate off of the margins of losing certain bets, and that's what they have to pay out with and making a profit. But, you know, from the standpoint of the sports leagues, they're not paying out the, the fees to customers. Uh, it, so they're, they're, they're not facing the same pressures of uh, making the lines and paying out, uh, uh, paying out wages uh, in case uh, the, uh, the house gets beaten by the individual better. Uh, the, uh, the, the sports leagues are the content providers, but... You know, they while they could cite uh, intellectual property as the excuse for having these fees, the truth of the matter is is that they're multi-billion-dollar organizations that would have put on these events regardless if there was a active betting going on uh, online or wherever the bets were taking place. So that's why it's a bit of a weak argument that these sports leagues are making. But hey, it, you know that's why you pay lobbyists to convince politicians that yes, we need a sports management fee uh, or a sports integrity fee to make sure that all these bets being placed don't affect the quality or integrity of our game, so that uh, there's unnecessary sports wagering because someone might be possibly involved in, in uh, some un- nefarious uh, transactions. Now. Again, this to me is comical because on the face of it, you know, sports betting is not a novel idea. It's been going on for ages and the U.S. uh, was far and away behind the curve compared to other countries as to how it approaches sports betting. You know, if anything, it was, uh, you could look at it as more puritanical uh, stance that the U.S. had on the, the matter than uh, most countries. I mean, if you look at England, uh, by comparison, England has, sometimes it has more uh, uh, bookies than the actual uh, <laughs> uh, job creation markets, uh, uh, if you will, because uh, you've got all these uh, uh, websites and uh, odds, odds-making websites, and they're sponsoring the soccer clubs even i mean they got st- the, you, you literally have uh uh these uh, gambling websites uh, naming stadiums after their their website it's it's comical in a way and yet still uh from a u.s perspective uh legislation has always treated gambling as oh no we can't have gambling uh, directly influence our sports uh, uh because as soon as you allow gambling it's gonna affect the outcome of games because uh, players are not gonna are gonna be too tempted by outside forces. Uh, meanwhile, ne- ne- neglecting the fact that these players are making millions and millions of dollars and they're in a billion uh, uh, billion dollar industries uh, across the board for the major sports, you know there really is not an incentive of completely tanking your career earnings uh, for the sake of throwing a match. It, it just doesn't make sense so again there's a lot of hullabaloo that you're going to hear about you know the integrity of the game you have to maintain it and uh, at all costs and uh, try to put in different legislation it you know it's just so it's i i mean i i just look at it and i just shake my head because it really is just the epitome of laziness not to do the homework of what 
everywhere else in the globe has known for centuries that people like to gamble. They like to gamble on sports. They they uh, they seem to have an affinity for whether or not they actually win or not, and it just seems to be a social activity. Now, again, what this means for the sports leagues uh, is that they can find new and more ways of engaging fans. And what I think uh, you'll see happen in the future uh, is something along the lines of fans coming to the arena and also being uh, having the, uh, the option of doing uh, uh, bets from their seats, uh, like having some way of engaging uh, with whether it's uh, the... Uh, I don't know the uh, Megatron uh, uh, bill, billboard or like a, a, and punching in a text code to being able to access uh, the team's gambling facility or like a, or doing a tournament where you're competing against the other fans in the arena. I think uh, sports teams are going to find different ways of engaging uh, with their fan bases than you've seen in years past. So. Overall, what's going to be the case here is uh, the fact that the uh, sports leagues are going to be more interactive than ever before uh, with uh, how they handle their their product. And I, I just think as a whole, that is going to open up different avenues because, you know, let's face it, the, uh, the sports fans of today are far different than the sports fans of the 90s and especially the 80s. I mean, you got a millennial generation that uh, has a shorter attention span. They're looking for more access to doing different uh, things. And again, this is a, a possibility of uh, going about it because now you've opened up the avenue for, A, you can do direct sports betting or you can do more integration of uh, daily fantasy sports and uh, building out rosters. I, I just think that this is a tremendous opportunity for the sports leagues to take a, advantage of. And yes, I I am very confident that they're going to uh, uh, cut some deals uh, with uh, uh, local uh, local government to uh, get uh, some of the things that they're looking for, whether it's an integrity fee or some other. Uh, fees dressed up as uh, safeguarding the game in there, so they'll get they'll get some money off the top. Uh, you know where this all ends up is anyone's guess, but you know I, I definitely feel as though uh, this is going to open up doors for uh, uh, various industries to kind of have uh, a renaissance, if you will, or uh, deeper expansion. So. Uh, Look at it from this perspective. The NCAA tournament is one of the most popular events uh, throughout the country. And, it, you know, it's because you can uh, create a bracket and participate in office pools uh, and pools with your family. But look at it this way. What if uh, there was a scenario where now because of uh, PASPA being uh, uh, essentially... Uh, uh, struck down by the Supreme Court, you could actually see states uh, banding together to offer up, uh, in conjunction with uh, in conjunction with the NCAA, a national NCAA pool uh, where you're going up against millions of uh, uh, contestants uh, throughout the United States. But you know, essentially, you're playing Powerball. Uh, with the NCAA tournament. So you're rooting for NCAA tournament teams. But again, the chances of winning would be so small. But again, you're playing a $10 pool against millions of people. The payout for that would be astronomical. But that's something that they can actually explore now. So again, this is uh, just offering up a different way of going about uh, typical events that you would have been more limited towards. Uh, again, you know, you can uh, you can see this happening with uh, Daily Fantasy. You know, uh, you, you had the success there where people were winning these tournaments on DraftKings and FanDuel, 
you know, some states didn't allow, and, and this uh, ruling should allow for a more national regulation of uh, daily fantasy sports uh, operation. But if you combine that with uh, actual sports betting, that allows for uh, DraftKings and FanDuel to offer up their own variations of sports betting. And because of the uh, client base that they've already been ingrained on, you know, you have another uh, product to test out to the general populace. So they got name brand recognition there. So uh, this benefits uh, a number of parties. Now, the question is, uh, you know, if there are so many winners between the sports leagues, local governments, uh, and the daily fantasy sites, you know, who's a big loser? And to me, the big loser in all of this are the offshore illegal gaming books that have run rampant. I mean, again, the figure uh, that I threw out earlier with uh, the American Gaming Association of $150... Uh, $150 billion a year being wagered on sports uh, in the U.S., yet only a fraction of that is captured legally, you know, just tells you that all these illegal books are making a mint off of customers. And, you know, the fact that the government is actually engaging and, uh, you know, uh, being proactive. So, uh, it just changes the, the dynamic overall. So, you know, I, I look at this again and, uh, you know, it's going to be way too soon to tell exactly what the final legislation is going to look like. But again, the fact that uh, people are going to be able to wager legally means more money is going to be coming into the leagues and also the government. Now, the way the government makes sure that all those funds that they've been expecting come into them would be cracking down on those websites whether it's uh, shutting them down uh, which is difficult because they're based offshore but what they can also do is uh, issue fines and sanctions uh, for those uh, websites if they allow U.S. customers to be playing for them so whether it's uh, regionally uh, that they can track them or by their IP address, you know, then you could start seeing more restriction on customers using uh, the website that in that fashion. So, again, different ways that it can uh, this can all shake out. But you know, realistically, uh, any illegal form of uh, managing uh, sports bets. That looks like it could be a thing of the past in about uh, five, six years because of the legislation that's going on. So uh, essentially, uh, you know, there are 17 states that have passed or are in the process of uh, uh, putting bills uh, into law that would uh, legalize uh, sports betting upon uh, – the repeal of uh, PASPA, which, which obviously happened today. So uh, the current states that have the legislation on the books uh, to get things moving along, obviously New Jersey was at the forefront. Uh, you've got New York, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, uh, West Virginia, Mississippi. I mean, again, there were more states to come, but like the blueprint has been set up by so many states. Now, the question is just, uh, how much of a, of a fee is going to be negotiated by each state. And, you know, that's still going to be up for uh, debate, uh, you know, at the highest levels of government. And, uh, you know, it's a exciting period, in my opinion, because it, you've, you've got the potential for all these leaks to uh, make a ton of money. And, you know, from my perspective, uh, the owners of sports teams have got to be pinching themselves because realistically the value of sports teams, uh, especially in major media markets, uh, you know, I honestly think that they're, they're going to double uh, in the next uh, 18 months easily uh, just because of the customer base uh, that they have and the customer base 
that may not have been uh, willing to go to games, but now are going to be plunking down their cash uh, to participate in uh, gambling uh, for these uh, websites that give kickbacks to the sports leagues. Uh, you know, they're capturing consumers that they may not have actually uh, been able to capture in years past because of, uh, of all the sanctions uh, going on. So, again, you can look at it from a couple of different ways. It depends on uh, the individual state and how they want to go about it. Uh, not all the states are going to follow along suit with a template law uh, that has been uh, making the rounds uh, in terms of uh, uh, the states that have uh, enacted some legislation in one form or another. But, you know, the fact that this ruling strips down everything you know, opens this up to other sports uh, having uh, uh, access to uh, or setting up some kind of mechanism for sports betting. So it's uh, uh, it's a definite uh, uh, way uh, that, uh, you know, more eyes can be uh, glued to the product because, as I said with the NCAA tournament, you know, the possibility of a wide-scale NCAA pool that has money involved, again, this has the potential of turning into a Powerball type of arrangement. And there are ways of implementing it uh, for different sports leagues as well, so it's not just limited to NCAA tournament. If uh, the NBA and MLB want to get creative, you can find ways of of uh, putting together uh, games that would essentially operate like prop bet pools of uh, just uh, making picks of what's going to happen versus A versus B uh, and uh, uh, seeing who's going to get the highest score. There are ways of managing this. Uh, but, uh, again, I, I look at it from the perspective of uh, – these sports leagues now have a tremendous opportunity here, uh, depending on how they go about uh, working with uh, the likes of DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, again, uh, a lot of uh, these sports leagues already have uh, ownership uh, ownership stakes in both uh, FanDuel and DraftKings, but you know they now have the opportunity of uh, introducing new ways of interacting with customers. So. Uh, you know, from the standpoint of uh, where uh, where's the next step, uh, where's the next step coming in this? It's going to come down to the states and how uh, the lobbyists uh, get their way in terms of uh, the laws that get passed in each state. But uh, you know, I firmly expect uh, different uh, manifestations of this to come about. So. Uh, you know, New Jersey definitely uh, was at the forefront of this. New York's not going to be that far behind because uh, of uh, the casino that they do have with uh, uh, Empire. I, I mean, Empire City, you know, now you can, uh, they can essentially create a sports betting area for Empire and, and, just, and just drive up uh, attendance there as well. So, you know, it... Opens the door for a number of items, but it, it doesn't change the fact that casinos, that by and large, care more about the slot users and everyone and anyone and any everyone that goes to the tables than you know the guys who are playing poker or doing sports or wagering. But uh, uh, I, for one, again, am very excited at the news. Uh, it was certainly not a result I was expecting. But hoping for, uh, given the, the amount of work uh, that was put into the project. So, uh, in, in well, it, it not, not necessarily project. I would say even more of a movement because, uh, uh, you know, New Jersey started it, but uh, a number of uh, factions, especially the daily fantasy sports sites, were uh, petitioning for similar uh, legislation to be put on the books uh, for a number of years now. So, uh, it's... Uh, 
it's a new day, and we're going to see how uh, these sports leagues uh, react. Uh, but uh, I think it's uh, safe to say that uh, uh, their uh, their implementation of how of of how this uh, court ruling uh, uh, went down uh, is going to be uh, very much uh, uh, an interesting topic of conversation, and how each commissioner embraces uh, the fact that uh, sports uh, betting uh, is uh, is legal now in the United States. So uh, again, it's uh, going to be a very curious time in the industry because uh, uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of upheaval. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. But uh, I, for one, am excited about it. And I got another a person on the line here who's calling in, uh, Cam, who uh, will be joining us shortly uh, to discuss uh, things from his side of uh, the country uh, down in Texas, uh, where they have certain restrictions compared to us being in uh, New York. But, uh, you know, definitely want to hear his perspective on this, uh, because, uh, again, it's going to impact uh, different states uh, in uh, a variety of ways, but... The overall message seems to be clear that the government uh, is going to have to uh, figure out a way of navigating all of these ways that uh, individuals can interact with sporting events. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon uh, with this legislation. I, I think it, now that it's uh, passed by, has been struck down, uh, these leagues are going to find anything and everything to uh, keep uh, keep their employees engaged and uh, also the fans engaged in the overall experience of sports because now you're going to have different uh, media outlets to distract you. But, uh, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, I could see folks uh, saying that they don't want to have uh, wagering going on around them. It's taken away from their enjoyment of sport. I, I certainly get that, but, you know, well, as I said before, that aspect of sports is so archaic compared to other parts of the world where, yes, they still care very much about their team, but that some are looking at the, the various scoring lines as well. So, uh, you know, that part of it is going to be interesting as well to see if it holds up long term. So, uh We'll see, again, uh, how the different sports leagues interact. But for now, uh, definitely a big win for a number of groups, especially the end uh, user. But uh, let's get Cam on the line here uh, for his thoughts, and uh, we'll uh, uh, take it away. But uh, uh, I'll get Cam on the line uh, now just so we can uh, uh, get his uh, side of the story. Hey, Throwdown Nation. Are you at the bottom of your fantasy league wondering what is going on with your quarterback? Well, I think I've got a new show that may just fit the bill for you. The show is called Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks to get your burning questions answered, such as, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Can Aaron Rodgers actually play a full season on one healthy leg? And can Dak Prescott actually lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl in spite of Jerry Jones? Coach Weiss and co-host Steve Stroud have got you covered on all things quarterbacks. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or any major media platform. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Okay, we got Cam on the line here. Cam, how you doing? We're doing fantastic. Yeah, so obviously big news with the Supreme Court decision today uh, striking down the Professional and Amateur Sports uh, Protection Act. So as I was uh, saying uh, uh, previously, you know, you're opening up the floodgates, uh, if you will, for sports leagues to actually engage on a deeper level with their customer base by offering live wagering and, you know, just doing DFS contests. Uh, uh, so daily fantasy sports and live wagering, I think, are all legitimate possibilities going forward, uh, attending uh, sporting events and even uh, 
interacting with uh, customers at home because of the fact that, you know, as the population uh, grows younger and younger, because, uh, you know, and I definitely think Major League Baseball is one of the sports that desperately needs uh, different ways of capturing a younger demographic. I think this is the way you kind of have to go about it is, you know, the same way that the proliferation of esports has taken over, uh, you know, actual professional sports leagues have to figure out ways of uh, engaging younger, uh, younger fans. And I think this is definitely the way to do it by construing this as, you know, a sports competition. Uh, so you get the older demographic by uh, doing live sports betting, but you also get the younger demographic by introducing different aspects of daily fantasy sports uh, in the mix and uh, getting them engaged that way. Now, I know from a morality standpoint, folks might question that, but, you know, for the sports leagues, they care about the money. And as long as they can get eyeballs uh, glued to the sets as often as they can, that's really what it's going to come down to. So I, I just want to get your thoughts on this, uh, given the fact that uh, I, in Texas it's a different legislative landscape uh, here in, than here in New York. Uh, but, uh, you know, you still have at least DraftKings, but FanDuel's not available yet. But uh, I, I definitely think that could change in the future now that uh, uh, states uh, – will have ways of implementing their own rules and regulations. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of want to get your uh, input on it. But, you know, when we uh, finally get to bet on sports, (laughs) uh, FanDuel decide to, you know, kind of wuss out and not go against it. But DraftKings did it. So now that New Jersey considered it unconstitutional, do we agree on, I guess, like sports betting as like over unders? Like, what do we what do we agree on? Like DFS is obvious next because it's always been in the mix. But yeah, uh, can, I, I, can, can can we get some over unders and actually bet on games? I I definitely see that as a possibility of uh, having over-unders, parlays. Uh, I I think all of that is actually on the table uh, to discuss. Because, again, you know, at the end of the day, these sports leagues care about you uh, having a more interactive experience. And, you know, given the fact that a number of uh, leagues have – issues with attendance if they're not in the major metropolitan area if you set this up properly wherein uh you know the sports leagues are working with local government to make the barriers of entry harder uh for sports books to open up in a particular state so that all the gambling has to be done at the arena that's just gonna roll in even more cash for these sports teams because then folks will have the option of saying, well, you know what, I'm paying uh, X amount of dollars for a ticket, but, you know, it's a lot easier just uh, doing the wagering there than, you know, going to my bookie or trying to set up uh, an online account off uh, for an offshore uh, bookmaker uh, when, you know, again, I could get paid uh, for every wager I win at the arena tonight, and it goes into my uh, uh, it goes into my electronic checking account or PayPal or Venmo or however these leaks want to set it up, you know, you get instant gratification uh, finance-wise. And I, and I think that's where uh, Daily Fantasy Sports has been able to kind of fill that niche market. But uh, I don't think uh, this ruling... Imp- uh, uh, affects uh, DFS uh, to their detriment. Uh, in fact, I actually think it emboldens them because I think you're going to have an even deeper level of uh, of uh, individuals uh, ingrained into the game because they'll look at it as, you know, I get to do these lineups uh, 
throughout the game. So I, I even see it as uh, kind of coming into fruition where you could build out uh, DFS lineups mid-game uh, of setting up like, okay, who, who are the players you want to have for uh, this quarter and like uh, just making it more interactive. That's where I think these sports leagues, uh, if they do a partnership with DraftKings and FanDuel, they can really get it, get into the nitty-gritty details uh, and really, uh, really kind of capture in uh, 24/7 of what their customers are into because you know one of the uh, one of the knocks against baseball is that people are complaining that the nine inning game is is too long and that you know you got to figure out different ways of shortening the game whether it's uh, you know uh, fewer uh, fewer mound visits uh, cutting down on number of relievers. Uh, or the radical proposal of like uh, making it making it a seven inning game instead of nine inning game. Me personally, I don't think that's necessarily going to hook customers. I think you have to figure out different ways of engaging them, and this is one of them. I I, I definitely feel as though you could do some kind of uh, sports wagering mid game, and baseball is perfect for it because you could like uh, do bets on you know how many runs are going to be. Uh, be scored in uh, the upcoming inning uh, and do overrunners on that. You could set it up where, oh, who's going to, uh, is this person going to get a hit? Yes or no? And do bets on that. It's like the, there are different ways of kind of engaging it. And depending on the sport, you know, there's enough lead time where you can, you can actually make that a reality. And I, and I think baseball is one of those, one of those sports where, you know they 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 have the line don't bet on baseball in the dugouts, but I I think by opening it up to the fans in that respect, you know you're gonna raise the level of engagement with your fan base and that only helps you in the future. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, think about it. Like for example, for the Rangers, Jesus. So the Rangers suck. And so no, it, 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 it's it's just that the Texas Rangers uh, they really thought that the young young players were going to make a difference this year. Oh dang! Well, I, I can uh, counter that with a little pro bar action with Ellis out. But um, if you're going to go to the game and you really can bet like either on the over under or you can bet on you know players doing good. I mean. That, that's literally I would go to the game for that like it's just like the horse races like if, you, if you're gonna bet on a horse you're gonna go I mean you can bet a dollar on it you can bet ten dollars on it you can bet twenty dollars on it I mean that's gonna make you want to go to the game instead of just like oh we're gonna lose <laughs> yeah <laughs> to be honest yeah so, and... I mean I mean if, if you can bet on the over under all day I mean that, that's for one just like a huge deal but if you can bet like on players if you can bet on you know anything like that like that is going to be huge for the player pool so I think I think it's huge for the sports market but that's just me yeah I, I think we're on the same wavelength here I, I just think it's especially in the cases of franchises that are on hard times or they know their team isn't good and you know attendance isn't where you want it to be this is a way to get your customers engaged uh by you know looking at what's going on in the game having them pay more attention and seeing you know reading tea leaves on what they think is going to happen next and i i definitely feel as though that's a market you uh can, that can be exploited uh you know and it's not to say yeah, I, i'm advocating for folks losing their money, gambling, this, that, and the other. But uh, I, I definitely see it as an advantage for, uh, you know, uh, these leagues and, you know, more importantly, the government to make more money off of consumers because, you know, disposable income is exactly that, disposable. And they're going to use it uh, if they're going to these games. That's what they're using, their disposable income. Uh, y- yes, uh, there's always the possibility of, upticks and the gamblers and not uh, anonymous and uh, those types of uh, reach out groups for uh, folks that uh, 
just can't help themselves. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, what I was uh, saying uh, uh, earlier in the podcast is the fact that the U.S. was so far behind the curve compared to most countries that the it's almost overblown coverage of uh, what they're doing because of the fact that, uh, you know, you're you're gonna get uh, the folks that are adversely impacted, but I don't think that would have changed one way or another uh, how uh, how it would have gone down if uh, the Supreme Court upheld it. I think they would have just found another way of accessing that outlet because of uh, whatever addiction that they have. So again, I don't see the proliferation of more gambling to be. Uh, encouraging uh, folks to self-destruct I, I just think that they would have done it anyway i just think as though you're opening up the market to additional customers uh by uh, striking out all these provisions that really did nothing to benefit anyone other than keep the status quo going between the four major sports and las vegas i mean that's really what it came down to oh yeah it definitely does i mean at the end of the day i mean you're going, you're coming down to over-unders. Vegas is telling you what the over-under is. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, people people are going to bet no matter what. Like, it doesn't matter. So, might as well, uh, you know, let it happen. You're going to get taxed, a.k.a. Texas, so we don't have to give it to Oklahoma. <laughs> and yeah. then we have to go to Oklahoma to bet. So, I mean, you get taxed for Texas, finally, for once. You get you actually get the, the tax dollars, and, you know, Oklahoma, like, for the for one, they get all the tax dollars, a.k.a. tax dollars for Oklahoma. Like, literally every person that goes to casinos in Oklahoma, it's probably 90% of our tax So... I mean, that's just like a one plus. Yeah, and, and, I, and I feel as though that's what's uh, getting missed because uh, the, the stat that I read off before was uh, uh, the American Gaming Association estimates that $150 billion a year are wagered on sports in the U.S. and only 3% of that is done legally. So, you know, clearly the law enforcement aspect isn't working. Uh, you know why? Why chase your ch- why chase your tail when in reality it's just like you know it is what it is. So that's what the market is. This is what we uh, have to do to uh, work around it. But you know now that the restrictions are uh, being taken down, you know it just adds another layer of what these uh, leagues can do. And uh, you know, like I said. It, if uh, you you may see more uh, more interacting with the environment, uh, if you will, in in terms of like how teams uh, uh, test the marketplace of what fans are truly interested in. So uh, I don't see a lot of movement coming from uh, states that uh, weren't already on board with this. I mean, I I think uh, uh, in terms of numbers, there are about thirty states that. Uh, we're considering such a move, but, you know, had to wait uh, for the news to drop uh, from uh, uh, the uh, from another uh, from another source. But, you know, I, I think as a whole, from a state by state basis, this is only a good thing because, uh, you know, once a couple of states enact full laws, I think a number of uh, states are going to follow suit with similar language. You know they they may do a little bit of a differentiation here and there on the rake, uh, i.e., uh, just what they're taking out of uh, the overall bet itself. But uh, at the end of the day, you, you know, it it's just a small price to pay for uh, getting into a massive market, and that's where I'm very much excited to see where this takes off because at the end of the day, these uh, states have been missing out on uh, said income for decades upon decades. 
and now there's a way to actually capture that market share. You know, they went ahead and uh, uh, fought for it in court, and, you know, they're going to reap the rewards. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, everyone that was scared before shouldn't be scared anymore because it actually got proven in court today. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think this is a good day for fantasy. I think it's a good day for sports betting. I think it's a good day for poker. I think it's a good day for everything. So, Yeah, and that, that's actually one we're going to have to monitor going forward. But, uh, you know, poker is definitely uh, an area where uh, this was, it wasn't addressed in uh, the decision today, but... I definitely feel as though, uh, you know, uh, the knock on poker was it was a rule, the game of uh, chance instead of a game of skill. But at the same time, uh, you know, the the legislation on uh, daily fantasy sports was very similar to how it went with poker because they ruled that it, uh, daily fantasy was a game of chance versus skill but you know dfs was still able to get approved in uh, most states based off of the wording of uh of a certain language but uh you know with the sports betting uh on the table now i i i feel as though poker definitely has a chance to ingratiate itself in the good graces of congress and get itself back on the map again i i you know, there doesn't seem to be that much difference between the activities and the fact that uh, these states now have an incentive of pulling together their resources with uh, different groups. I, I look at it as uh, there's only a matter of time before you're going to see uh, massive pools emerge uh between uh, various states uh, working together because I, I think they're going to try to do what they can to maximize as much uh, bill coverage as possible uh, just to uh, get the antennas up for everyone else that was not privy to the news today. But uh, I, I, I just look at it as, uh, you know, there are going to be an influx of consumers uh, sooner than later and, you know, poker is definitely going to be back on the table. I, I'm, I can almost guarantee it. It, it, they be, they be crazy not to push, especially uh, given the court decision, not to push the envelope to get themselves uh, the same uh, consideration as the uh, sports leagues are now. I mean, definitely. I mean, if you're going to bet, you know, say a hundred bucks on. You know, Harper to hit a bomb. I mean, there's no really difference to say, hey, I'm going to get Ace King, you know, on this flop right here. So, I mean, I I just really don't know how they're going to differentiate it, which, I mean, we'll see what they do. But I totally agree with that. And, I mean, this is a huge deal. Yeah. So, uh, Cam, I'm. I'm going to let you go, but uh, I just want to get your thoughts on one more aspect of this. And it's going to be from the standpoint of if you look at it from the NCAA standpoint, because, uh, you know, who is going to feel sorry for the NCAA, just the the amount of money that they make. But the one thing I I would say uh, for the NCAA is the fact that it really does bring to the forefront uh, just the number of scandals that they've had over the years. Uh, but part of it is it's the NCAA's own doing. But uh, what do you feel about the NCAA moving forward? Uh, because they were already having a tough time uh, managing uh, their own assets uh, uh, that were undoubtedly bolstered by a strong... Uh, March Madness this year, but uh, uh, what, what do you uh, what do you thoughts about the NCAA in terms of enforcement? Because I, I look at it as their job definitely got harder, 
because of uh, different states allowing uh, for some form of gambling. But, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, there's only so much they can do. I, I just think that uh, everyone who's going to cry foul about uh, the amateurism of sports just really needs to get a grip because, you know, the NCAA has not been about student athletes for decades now. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. But I do feel as though there is going to be an uptick in uh, specific cases of point shaving and everything else under the sun because of the financial incentive. I I just think that's that's pretty much a given uh, to happen. But, uh, you know, you never know uh, how uh, these uh, these enforcement agencies are going to come down. But I I definitely think that this is a wake-up call for the NCAA to – uh, just figure out what what it is they want to be. If they, if they want to make money, they can still make money, but trying to act as a policeman for every little infraction, I just don't think that they're going to have the capacity to do so with uh, uh, this uh, uh, eventuality of uh, countrywide uh, sports betting being uh, allowable. So basically, are you asking, uh, should college players get paid? Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's basically what you're saying. Yeah, because, I mean, at at this point, you can't enforce the law. The only thing they can do, instead of trying to chase every lead down, is just to offer up the stipend. Because, uh, realistically, uh, the amount of people betting on their own monitor, I mean, forget it. It's going to spike up. And, you know, there's always going to be the boosters and everything else under the sun. Uh, you can't control that. So, and it's only going to get worse from here on out. Uh, you know, I, I just think the approach has got to be, uh, you know, it, you operate on, on the, a paid format and you, you treat them like employees because the, the myth of the student athlete has been shattered a long time now. But I, I just don't see the NCAA being able to exist in their cor- current format with this ruling that just came down. And I think that's part of the reason why they were so adamant against it because they knew they were going to have to change up their system uh, moving forward. Uh, I mean, that's a tough question because, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, if we start paying them, I mean, we, you know, we don't, we don't really know if that's going to make it competitive or not. I mean, I think that's what makes college football or college sports competitive, even though you have to be kind of naive that they're not getting paid somehow. Yeah. But I don't know. That, like, like I said, that's a tough question because, I mean, like you said, like if, if you start paying or let people bet on sports, then I feel like that push for getting paid is going to be a lot more than it was before, which it was already pushed. So, I guess, I guess if you had to say it, I guess I feel like if you if you're a school, I think you should have like a cap of how much you could pay. But I guess. You know, at the end of the day, it may not happen. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, I, and I think that's a... You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I, I think that's an eventuality for some of these uh, institutions that they, 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 they're not going to be able to support it. But the NCAA has made so much money over the years by emphasizing certain aspects of business that... They, they've gotten to the stage where they're almost too big for their own good. Uh, and now that something's come along like this, it's just going to be uh, the effect of uh, just uh, blowing up their enforcement practices because it's just going to be too unwieldy uh, to manage. I, I don't see that uh, as a possibility. You know, it could work, it could work in uh, uh, countries like England, uh 
uh, but uh, where they don't have this whole, uh, they don't have the whole amateur amateur pro division that uh, we do in the states. So in Europe uh, and uh, other uh, other countries, it, you know, they they take them and they basically put them in feeder systems for uh, of the professional uh, teams. But you know, whereas in the NCAA, you know. They're, they play upon the emotions of alumni, but, you know, everyone's aware of what essentially this is, is that it's an arms race of who can get how many five-star prospects and uh, who can perform the best. But, you know, certain schools have the resources, others don't. But uh, I, I definitely feel as though the NCAA is going to have to operate in a fashion wherein the big schools are going to have to start uh, paying off the little schools uh, to uh, support the salaries because at the end of the day, uh, the NCAA, like I said, uh, it's, on, it's only recourse at this point. I mean, they could go further down uh, the hole and stick their head in the sand and make it tougher for uh, building owners, but I, I, I don't think it's uh, it's something that, that suits them well. So uh, we'll see how it goes, but uh, I'm going to let you go, Cam. Uh, but uh, quite a bit to uh, uh, talk about in the future because uh, we are far from done on this issue because, uh, you know, uh, once the bills start getting passed, then the, there'll be uh, more consensus of how they're going to look. But uh, I, I definitely feel as though uh, the changes that are coming down uh, the pipe uh, line, it, it's, it's going to be... It's going to be very much interesting to see who adapts the fastest amongst the sports leagues, uh, what involvement they have with DraftKings and FanDuel. But uh, above all else, it, it's just going to be uh, a sign for all parties involved to think about things in a different light. And I, I definitely see that as a potential gold mine of opportunity. So uh, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep you, we'll keep looking at this, uh, but uh for now, it's a uh, it's a it's a good day, but a lot more to come uh, moving forward uh, with the legislation uh, uh, on a state by state basis. So, uh, you take it easy, Cam, and we'll catch up next time. All right, man. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for the podcast tonight, uh, folks. But uh, we'll tune in next time, and uh, we'll keep. Uh, uh, things are uh, moving along, uh, but uh, as I said, I, I think this is going to be a story that's going to move uh, quickly in certain parts of the country, but uh, the long-term effects are uh, definitely going to be felt uh, throughout uh, all of sports, and especially on the NCAA level. I, I just see that as an immediate change coming uh, in the next uh, two years so that they're going to have to revamp their system because I don't think it's sustainable. But uh, that's a story for another time. So that's all for tonight, and uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll get back into uh, a general uh, sports talk and uh, fantasy analysis uh, uh, to come. But uh, uh, just had to talk about this uh, uh, event today because it, it, there's a lot of material to kind of go through. So... Uh, more to come, but have a good night, folks. It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll, <laughs> I'll take Giselle, okay? Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. 
Join Charlie Wise and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.